afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. This episode is a conversation with Stuart Barker. Um, <laughs> he sent me, Stuart Barker, a drummer and a really good friend of mine, and he's got a show coming up uh, on Saturday at the, at the Zanzi, Zanzi Bar. He sent me a, a, a list I was going to, I normally I'd, I, I would tightly say the name of the person, you know, the band they're in. He sent me a list of the band names of, of all the bands that he's been in. I'm going to read a couple of them off as well, just while I've got it to hand. It was uh, obviously Scare Tactics, Nova Crow, Inky Bros, Hollow Point, Sobrowski Connection, Ogun, Metro Manila Raid, MPC, Multipurpose Chemical, Obsessive Compulsive, Ray May Fall, Lost Sovereign, Lazarus Syndrome, a ton of stuff with Dan Moran, Reaper, Pantera Plan. Uh, the whole bunch of stuff, and it just, <laughs> I didn't know how to title the episode then. I think I'm just going to put, yeah, it makes sense to just put <laughs> Stuart Barker, drummer for uh, Scare Tactics. That just makes the most amount of sense. Hugely prolific person, and and just a, a super nice guy. I've been waiting to get him on the on the show for quite some time, but obviously with the uh, show coming up now, it was perfect time 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 to do that. Like, and it's, it's one of the uh, rare headlining show at a time, for when I think Scare Tactics will really shine. I've, I've been a fan for them for a long time. Everybody that listens to the podcast knows how much I'm a big fan, but I'm an even bigger fan of, of Stuart Barker. Speaking of the, the Zanzi Bar, I went up to the first time to go to a show there was to see, um, in recent like sort of memory, was uh, to the final show with God Complex. And it was just um, the reason I tell this particular story is because it's the first time I've been to the Zanzi Bar since it's been renovated. Uh, there was talk of it closing and what have you, and obviously it didn't, which is fantastic. And so I really wanted to kind of have a good look around and see what they've done with the place, and they've done some really great work. It's it's a really great venue. There's, there's work to be done, sure, but it's open again now, and it's doing some great stuff. It's got a show in itself. was fucking biblical, by the way. It was absolutely insanely great. Um, but I was just really happy to be in the Zanzibar again. It, it hold, the place holds me. It is very much holds some place uh, of great memories for me. I've played there in a band. I've took bands through tours through there. I've I've promoted shows there. I've done everything you probably could do in that place, and I've been a, as a fan. And I was over at I, I, mid set. You know, there was there was some great bands on that night, Lauren, and and obviously God Complex as well. And I was heading to the to the bar in between, and whilst waiting to to be served, and and the guy takes takes me on a couple of drinks or whatever, and I look up, and there's um. Tony's frame it's a frame picture of Tony um the the, the the obviously the former owner of uh, of the Zanzibar and and I I choked up a little bit no one else will have seen that like I was easily one of the oldest guys in that place it, it, it was it was a very uh, it was great young extreme music crowd like there and and but no one will know but I did I choked up because looking around at it and it was fucking rammed he would have, he would have loved that shit. Tony loved his metal. He fucking loved his metal. He really did. And he was just, he just wanted to see the place filled. And it really, honestly, it really brought a lump to me throat to, to see that. And so to go back and and see that now on uh, this this upcoming Saturday with the, with Scare Tactics and a whole host of other bands is just, it, it just really, it's just a nice thing to be able to do to go to say I'm to say I'm I'm going to see a show at the Zanzi Bar, and I'm really grateful. The, the the people behind the scenes are putting the work in, you know it's the, the, the it it's going to take a lot to kind of get it back onto the scene. It's already doing really well. It's filling up the, the calendar beautifully, and there's some great shows coming up there. Really great shows, um, and obviously Metal to the Masses is now 
going to be there. It's just one of those venues that we cannot let go. We must support. We must get behind. We must go to shows there and support them and support what they're trying to do. We cannot lose the Zanzibar for all kinds of reasons. I've said many, many times on this this very show. And I just wanted to say that mainly because Scare Tactics are playing on, on Saturday, but also it was the, the last show I went to before, before doing this particular podcast. And it's, it's a great venue. Again, again, it's back to being a great venue, and it's one that Liverpool cannot lose. I adore the Zanzibar, and I'm looking forward to putting shows on there. I'm looking forward to taking bands there. I'm looking forward more than anything to seeing live music there. Fabulous. So, Stuart Barker, I mean, where do we start? The amount of bands he's been in is, is massive, and he's very much a go-to guy on the scene. If you want someone to play drums on your album, you go into Stuart. He's just great. And he's quite a, an unassuming, own admission, he says on the podcast, quite an unassuming and introverted kind of guy. You know, I, I was, I didn't know what we were going to, how we were going to go on, on, on the podcast. And, and he just opened up and he was incredibly honest. And that's all I can ever ask on these shows. And, and we always tend to start them in the same way. A lot of people have, have said that they like that sometimes, that we start with the same sort of question. You know, when did you first hear, hear metal and stuff? And then we go from there. And and then it becomes it's interesting. We can go in any direction. And as you'll hear on this and, and a couple of other other ones I've recorded that are coming up, it goes beautifully and organically in whichever way it wants to go. There's no preconceived questions. There's no editing other than maybe to get take any sound blips um, 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 and things and, and glitches and stuff out. There's no. It's presented as is. I, I try not. Well, I'm, I, I hopefully never will put commercials in between. It's it's you're hearing those, that conversation that me that me and Stu had, and the one you're you're about to hear is we've had those conversations pre-show, post-show, in between sets. We've had similar comments. It was just nice to have this recorded. My only sort of detriment, the only thing I wish would happen is I wish they would have had Andrew on as well. Um, the, the, the two of them as well, but we couldn't make that happen. That'll happen in the future. And we'll, we'll we'll do that. But this is a really nice conversation. I think everybody's going to get something from this because his journey, certainly as a, as a drummer, but as well as a musician and an artist, is is similar to a few people's journeys. I, I feel, and I, I really wanted to shine a light on on what he was doing. Uh, you know, maybe he's under underappreciated. Maybe he is. I don't think he is. I think people realize how fucking good he is, a drummer, and how, and how important he is, and that's why they go to him regularly. But also now that it's time to the scare tactics to move forward and become the band that they they they've they've always promised that they they are. So it was really nice to sit down with uh, the musician and drummer from Scare Tactics, and as we said, a whole heap of other bands. But also my friend Stuart Barker. Ladies and gentlemen, it's nice to have Mr. Stuart Barker on the show. Uh, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, buddy, yeah. Because it's about time that we really sat down and, and talked, isn't it? Because, I mean, we, we've known each other a long time. It's, yeah, um, we've gone back, gone back uh, since before you had a massive beard, so how, how long's that? <laughs> a long time. So it's, like, it's cool to, to sit down and, and, and chat with you. Like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that maybe don't know uh, Stuart Barker's work, uh, Stuart Barker is like most drummers. He's in every single band that's ever existed. Yeah, uh, yeah, that seems you, that definitely seems to be a thing. You are in a, a, a busy boy because I was talking to uh, to Nova Crows doing some stuff for them, and I didn't yeah. realize you play on there. Yeah, I, coming on? yeah, yeah. Track track their whole album uh, just before last Christmas, I think it was. That's um, nice. Yeah, that was a. Uh, I, I think how. 
I only recently got like the uh, the master files back to uh, Freddy's done everything mm. himself. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna. I came back. I was like, "Holy shit, is that me?" Yeah, go go shoot. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the magic ears, Freddy. Has he? like, oh, he's amazing. Ears, like, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, there's so much to get to get through because there's so many bands and there's so many things to talk about. We're probably not going to cover everything, but as I always do with these things, it's best to start at the beginning. So when's when's music coming to your life, be it metal or otherwise? Uh, I, I, you know what? I think that has to go to uh, to my old brother Alex, who, of course, you know as well. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, Alex is about six years older than me, I think. Yeah, six years. And uh, like older brothers do, they tend to kind of direct you in your, like, your early life. Uh, mm. I remember being about four or five. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, he was listening to, I believe, it was on Justice for All. Um, okay. And he was like, Stu, this band's amazing. You will now like this band and this music. But, uh, okay, yes, sir. Whatever you say, sir. And uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of just rocked on from there. Um, Metallica were like my go-to band for years and years and years. Which really odd is I really struggle to listen to them now. But I, I, I can never, like, you know, not... The New York guys, yeah. Yeah, for, for, for a time, yeah. And then obviously, you know... You get to your teen years, and you kind of just start. You start venturing outside of you know what is what is your comfort zone. Um, discovered yeah. discovered Pantera, who became like my guys for years and years and years. Um, and yeah, it kind of just branched out from there. Um, I got into more different bands from like playing music and in, like it, people introduce you to other stuff. Um, when I was when I was in school, I was like the resident goth kid who obviously worshipped <laughs> Satan um, and sacrificed goats. So you know, I, I, I not like I didn't have any friends or anything, but I didn't have anyone who was into that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of like I was on my own. I only knew what I was introduced to by my older brother until right. I got until until is, I got is, older. Is it mad that, that that Alec is the guy that introduces you to to metal, uh, which is fine? But the album is and Justice for All, and those that don't know him, he's a bassist. Yes, and, and, and there's no bass on that album. <laughs> that's the album that he that's it, it, It's mad. I, I think at the time, I, I think that was 1989 that was released, wasn't it? So I was five yeah. when that album came out, um, yeah. and my mate, my best mate in the world, one of the best mates in the world, Dave, he went, he went to the states and he brought me back a cassette of on just justice for all from a shop in the states i still have that cassette it's got yeah, the fold, it's, it's got the fold out yeah. book with all the lyrics and everything a little hammer yeah. of justice uh like cartoon graphic inside it still got it but that that must have been 1990 you brought that brought that to me that's it i love hearing people who still got the stuff that they first heard i think that's fucking boss that it's because it means something it's, it's more than just a tape isn't it it's a whole bunch of memories and a, a whole bunch of things connected in it so like the, the other thing is then you're part of uh, one of those famous traditions of brothers who one plays the drums and another plays the guitar as well. Yeah. So when you when you're listening to when you're listening to like Injustice for All, I mean the drums are, are huge on that, you know, and and are complicated and guitars are huge and complicated on there as well. It's like it's almost a progressive rock album that in many ways. A hundred percent, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And then you move to Pantera, and it's like, well, that's Vinny and Dimebag, the brother combo there. Um, was that when like did Pantera become your band then? Was it like the like Metallica were given to you by your brother, but then you found your own. Was that Pantera then? Yeah. 
I think it probably was. Um, I think as far as musically and playing goes, I I, I just dug them more. Don't get wrong, yeah. um, like Justice is, I mean, we, we used to play way back in the day, we used to play Black and as a cover, and yeah. that's, that's a bitch of a song to play. A- anyone who says... songs on there, aren't they? That was the they are. Time I was like, what, the song's seven minutes long? What yeah. the fuck? I've, no, I've not heard that when I, when I heard Justice, like... Yeah, it, it it was nuts. Anyone who says Lars is a, is a shit drummer, it's like you you go you go back to those days when he was touring on that album and listen yeah. to it. he's a, he was he was a monster the back then. Where, where the fuck has that come from? Like you're a drummer, right? I, yeah. I, I've listened to Metallica Brooks for decades now, and yeah. you have, and you and you're a drummer, and all, somehow it's turned that now that like Lars is at this point where people consider him a shit drummer. And it's yeah. like, hold on a second, let's scroll back. So let's look back exactly, quite yeah. recently to the, like, well, sort of recently. The, the Black Album, that drum sound was the sound for heavy drums but, for a long time and but, still but, is in many ways. It, but bands you are know, still sampling that album. They're still using yeah, the samples you know, from that album. Yeah, and you think like Justice was is long, complicated. It's playing with difficult time signatures, unusual very, time signatures here. And very, and very quick changes as well. Very, yeah. very quick. Drop of a hat, you'll get two different well, times. How complicated that is, and the grooves that they're getting in there, and the counterplay that they're having there, and 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 you even go back to like you know, kill them all and and ride the lightning. It's not that's not straight up drumming it, by it's any not. stretch of the imagination. It's and really then suddenly not. He, he's considered shit drummer. Like, what how the fuck's happened? I, mate, I I would love to know what what where it came. I, I think he, he got a bad rep for the whole Napster thing, and then load right. load and reload weren't everyone's favorite albums. I love load and reload. Um, I think reloads so underrated. It's unbelievable. It's so underrated. Between them. There is one, I think both albums are good, but between them, there's one amazing album. If it's you could have figured it out. Yeah, yeah it, it's 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 not a metal, they're not metal albums, but they're fantastic no. rock albums. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, well, maybe it's because of Scent Anger then. Maybe that's because it was such a departure to do that. And the drum sound was such a fucking it was dividing line. You know, it, 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 Unequivocally, that was a bad drum sound. It's because it's, it's just shit. And it's <laughs> tough because you're like, what? This is like a, a multi-platinum artist playing. The, and, and this is what the drums sound like? Yeah. Oh, shit. And it's like, you know, and we forget about things like, we. it's funny because I'm in the same way. Metallica were my guys. The, yeah. the, you know, and I kind of defend some of this shitness. Like, I defend Santanga sometimes because there's some good tracks on there. There's, there's some really good riffs on it. There is yeah, some really you can good riffs on that. yourself album. a little bit from the production. It's there's some fucking great. You know, Heffield's still playing like Heffield yeah. on it. Like it's still there. So, I mean, did, did you get the special edition album that came with the DVD where they're play, yes. playing in the jam room? Yeah. Just just watch that. It's loads better. <laughs> it's way better because it's just you get the room sound and it's like I don't get. But I mean, I even did, well, I don't defend, but I don't. I don't really kind of talk about Lulu, and that's fucking that's way worse to cry. And then all the fucking Lulu read, and you're like, what the fuck? But it's uh, yeah, it's just interesting the way somehow we've history might remember him as being a shit drummer. And it's but like, he's actually a not. Fucking tough call, that isn't it? Yeah, see, he didn't deserve that. Okay, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a bellend, but he's not a shit drummer. That's just hard. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the dividing line for me, where it was like I like him, but I'm not a massive fan of Lars, was the was the white leather jacket phase. Uh, when it, yeah. when it, when he was doing that during the Black Album, I was like, I'm that's not for me. I've now split because you're either a Heffield or an Ulrich guy. 
You're not, I don't believe you both. It's the difference between it, it, it's the metal equivalent of Elvis or the Beatles. Do you know what? I've just it's occurred to me right now. I think, and I'll take the old Metallica, the original line, or I'll say original lineup, the the, the first lineup that we officially recognise as Metallica with so Burton and, and Hammett. Yeah. Okay. And if you look at that, isn't that a wonderful example of a metal community in one group of people? So you've got uh, you've got the old school guy who's like, you know, all about uh, the old older metal and stuff like that yeah. and, and respecting the, the origins. And that's like, you'd, you'd argue that that's Cliff. And he's yes. like... And he's classically trained as well. And, yeah, yeah. And all this. And he loves his horror and all this type of thing. And, he, you know, and then you've got um, the, the younger guy who's looking at all the new sort of metal that's coming through. And that's Lars because he's yeah. looking at the new wave of British heavy metal. Yeah. And then you've got the guy who doesn't give a fuck and just wants to drink and, and loves metal and, and partying and all that. And that's, that's, that's Heffield. Yeah. And then you've got the guy that's kind of like the trendy guy who's following fashions a little bit. And he's just and happy to be there. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> or, or not. Or not. Um, but what, what was interesting for me when, when Metallica had their wave and then Pantera came along and I've talked about this on a few shows that, um, we were kind of looking, certainly where I was, when we were getting to sort of the 90s, of who was our Metallica. Because Metallica was my 80s to late 80s, 90s. Yeah. We were looking to 90s, late 90s to 2000. Who was our going to be the next, we're going to be the next Metallica. Th- and there at isn't one, one point, it, yeah, well, at one point, Pantera were tagged with that. Yeah. They were like, they're going to be, but it was just possibly too, too extreme. Yeah. That it couldn't have crossed over to, I don't know, they had some crossover hits, so it's Gates and stuff like that were when kind of they were still they were still a little bit glam then weren't they? Yeah, people forget that don't you? Yeah. People forget about with like uh, glam era. Yeah, because this, ladies and gentlemen, this is before the internet. And uh, and what was the first album you got by Pantera? It, it was Cowboys. It was Cowboys. Oh, okay. Yeah. So everybody thought at then. Everybody thought that that was the first album, didn't he? <laughs> and it is. Oh, we know it is. Everybody thought like you were like, "Fuck, that's what a great fucking." I, I've had it. I had it said to me, or people go, "That's a fucking great debut album," and I'm like, "Oh, you need to <laughs> hold up a sec. I, I'm, I'm about to make you a really unhappy. I'm, I'm going to take you to school, boy." Yeah, and you just see, <laughs> you just see the other like. The other when they were a power metal band, yeah, and and it was with like you know the the spandex and everything, yeah, 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 the full the full Monty, and and it's funny like that you know people just kind of forget about that. It's like okay, that's okay, that's not the Pantera we were talking about, and yeah. you're like what? So Lars could do a shit album with Santal Anger, and he's a crap drummer, but Pantera are, are considered perfect metal. But we don't forget we forget about that time when they looked like poison. Hold on. The, the, the magic word here is fickle. Fans are <laughs> fickle. I think we're quite selective, aren't we? Yeah. You know I mean? the, the, Everybody remembers the classic era of their band. Yeah. The, the, the other bands. The, there's a massive degree of elitism. I, I, I don't think... I, I, I think it's more prevalent in, in the metal community, I think. Um, I've noticed do, it. Uh, yeah. I, I've noticed, we, This comes up as well, where it's like it, it, there's a, a little element of snobbery. Yeah. And yeah. all I can do to justify it, because I always try to justify my community and my tribe yeah. as well. All I can justify it is, is that we have a very high bar. Yeah. So it's like, it's like it need, everything needs to be amazing, you know, and, and if you're going to say, this is as good as insert classic metal band. It then, needs to be. Yeah, you, you, we're, we're ready to kind of have a bit of a fight. You know, we were talking on another show about how after 
Pantera, uh, and you kind of had a little bit of a space, and then there was Trivium that came up, and Trivium were meant to yeah. be the next Metallica, and we were talking about the, the, the weight of that can sometimes destroy a band or really damage it. It's, and it, it, I think, it's a lot to stand up to, isn't it? Step yeah, into. I mean, what, so you went, you, Cowboys was first. I, I, I was, it felt like, like Vulgar was very quickly behind it, didn't it? It felt like it was Cowboys from Hell, and then all of a sudden there was Vulgar display and walk, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I, I, I seem to, I didn't miss it, but like a lot of the tracks are then far beyond driven. Um, aside from, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, I'm, I'm broken. <laughs> as, as, aside from, aside from that, like it, it, it seems to go straight to Trendkill because I remember Trendkill more than that. And Far Beyond wow. Driven is an amazing album. Yeah. I, yeah, this, I mean, yes, yeah, I'm thinking what Fabio and Jim's got like uh, I'm Broken and, uh, and stuff like that. Five like, Minutes five, Alone. Five, and, five uh, Minutes Alone, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I've, I've, yeah. Sitting here naming the singles like the only two I know. So I mean, Becoming, Becoming. Yeah. What a fucking drumline. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the first time I remember hearing like um, a, a whammy pedal as well. Because yeah. it it's like that bum, bum, wow, bum, bum, wow. That's it. Like fucking, but uh, what a love, I think, and... Uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening who listen to Pantera as well. I, what I love is that story where when he first played the the, the album to his dad, first played like uh, Cowboys from Hell, his dad was like, people are going to return this album because they're going to think it, there's something wrong because because <laughs> it's like too heavy. They're going to return it. I'm returning this album, sir, because uh, I find this is far too heavy. Um, and I'm, I'm afraid that it's far too inaccessible. There's a lot of screaming. The guitar sounds completely wild. Um, and you know, so do, when you were, when you were listening to Metallica, you're trying to be Lars. Yeah. Was there a very noticeable thing where you went, okay, I'm going to try and be Vinny, and then bring in those sort of double bass type of things? Uh, uh, in it, inadvertently and on purpose at the same time, 100 okay. percent yes. Um, yeah. I yeah, the, the thing I, I loved about Vinny, I mean, I, I know you've met him a couple of times. I met him once. Um, yeah. He he could he could kick ass like any other metal drummer of the time, but he had mm. such a swing in his playing. Um, yeah, yeah. And I loved that. No one else, he, uh, maybe John Tempesta come approaches yeah. as well. They're, yeah. they're, they're yeah. like splitting hairs between yeah. the two of them, but I don't think anyone yeah. quite did it like Vinny. I, I think Lombardo doesn't get sometimes some of the respect he deserves for doing some interesting things as well. No, uh, see, to I, a, I, to a I, degree. Like, mainly, I mean, I only really know him from like this. I'm not a huge fan of Slayer. Don't crucify me, people. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Slayer. I'm just not. But I know he's done work. He, he, he did Phantom Misses. He's done. Stuart on here on his own. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Maiden either, but that's by the well, by as well. That, that's come up before as well. I've had people say on, on the show, uh, especially the new Maiden album, that they didn't like it and it was fine too. It's okay. Yeah. We're, we're the, that's part of what we do here. We're allowed to say if, if we don't like shit. So, yeah, I mean, I think that what was interesting about Lombardo is I only really got into listening to his drumming real later on when he was doing his side projects, like yeah. film and stuff. And I just found that there was a, a lot more intricacy than, than maybe people give him credit for. But I think you're right. Like, Vinny could do the swing that you maybe you, you most metal drums, drummers couldn't do. Yeah. Like, that groove. Like, I mean, Pantera are often known as groove metal. Yeah, and, I, think, and I, remember, I think they're one of the only bands who, like, really, yeah. really fit that bill. He was, he, I mean, God rest his soul. He was, he was a sweetheart. But you, know, I've, I've, I've had the chance to watch him play oh, up front, and and be like, see that side of stage, and and there's a wonderful um, sort of, yeah, I can't explain it between it, 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 that he has 
but it's a, a pocket that he finds. Yeah. Like he, he talks about when when he when Dime was first learning guitar, they were playing um more than a feeling together. Right. That's okay. Like one of those first songs you learn. And he stops Dime and says, No, 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 you're missing the beat of it, you're missing the feel of it. And he was probably one of the most in, uh, kind of in, influential people on Dimebag's side because he was like, No, 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 no. He, he's the bigger brother, isn't play. he? Yeah. yeah, this is how you play against and, and with the beat and stuff. And, and when you play in bands, as you well know, that that relationship you have of able, being able to pull and push the beat when you're not playing to a click is the difference between a great band and an amazing band. You know, yeah. it's the reason ACDC, you can try and play like them, but you're never going to sound like them because it, they have that yeah, wonderful I, connection, you know? I, I think having that is kind of an innate talent that, yeah, I mean, you, you can approach it with practice, but some people just have it, and it just works. Yeah. And I think Vinny yeah. and Di- I mean, D- Damage Plan as well. That that yeah. was a band who had had at least another really good album in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a tragedy! What a the way that a whole thing worked out is just is still amazing to yeah. me. The, how Pantera falls apart, how Damage Plan starts up, and then obviously poor Diamond gets shot on yeah. stage, I mean, and you're the- just like, what a what a terrible end to. To, to that story and then Vinny passing away way before this fucking time yeah. what, a, what a terrible end to, 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 to that whole story and the, but the body of work that they've created fucking hell I mean, it, 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 it'll stand there forever I mean the, 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 really, the really rough thing I re- I, the only time I, I met Vinny I went to the States to a trade show um, oh, right, yeah. and it was Vinny's first public appearance since since obviously you know uh, since the incident yeah, and he's, yeah, he's there yeah. and there's people queuing up for hours and you know they're getting Pantera stuff and everything signed and it's like dude, this must be crucifying him. It yeah. must be so but yeah, he was yeah, there, yeah. he was he took photos, he spoke to everyone, like like you say, like you know, he, yeah. he was obviously just a sweetheart, but I, I felt so bad. And there this yeah, yeah. Uh, he was he was like as everybody I ever met him will tell you, he was the, the life and soul of the party. He yeah. genuinely was. It was there was someone without a drink in her hand. He, he was on them straight away. He was yeah. making sure they were fed. Everywhere you went smiling, you weren't laughing. He was working his ass off to me. He was he was that guy. He was yeah. endlessly what it like a mixer. He, he was he was he was that type of guy. And um, you know, I I had I did one of the I think second to last conversation I ever had with him. I was interviewing him for a piece, and um, I've never told this story before because I was interviewing him for a piece, and he. Uh, I, I wanted to talk to him about his brother yeah. as his mate, if you as a friend. Like we we had a, a nice relationship where he would take the pit. We both like obviously I, I, we liked America. He liked American football, but I liked American football. Being from from where he was, he, he supported the Cowboys, and I liked the Raiders. And we would off that would be the source of banter that we would yeah. have. And we'd always like play side bets and stuff and see how we got on. And I remember interviewing him and not talking about Dimebag at all. But on purpose because we yeah. at the time he was touring with um Hell Hell yeah, I guess. Hell yes, yeah, yeah. yes. And uh, and then I said to him, I said, uh, I said, listen, I've gotta ask something. And I think he'd been asked all day and by press all the way through that entire tour, you know, how do you feel about your brother and that? And I was desperate not to answer this uh, to say anything to him. Yeah. And he he was like, and his head went down and he looked really, really upset. And I was like, how do you think the Cowboys are going to get on this season? And he absolutely <laughs> lit up. And I never mentioned to him, you know, and it's just one of those things where it's like, he's a fucking human being. Like, he doesn't, yeah. you know what I mean? The last thing he needs to do, I'm sure he misses his brother with all of his heart. Last thing he needs is fucking people shouting walk at him every five minutes and fucking yeah. 
Do you know what I mean? Play fucking I'm Broken all the time. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So, were you, which came first then? The picking up of the drums or the listening of the metal? It was definitely, I, I was quite a late starter for drums, actually. Um, okay. I'd always I'd always wanted to play. Um, oddly enough, my granddad was a drummer. He was in a Scottish pipe band. Okay. Um, so, I mean, the influence had always been there, but I didn't actually get a drum kit until I was 16 or 17. Right. Um, so I was quite a late starter. So we're talking like 11 years or so. I'd been listening to metal before I got a drum kit. Um what was I mean, the first drum kit? Was it, did someone buy it for you or did you buy it yourself? <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of a funny story. Uh, so <laughs> I, um, I'd kind of been drafted without having a drum kit that I was going to play drums for this. This, this is going back to, like, so I was like, probably 15 at the time. And this is going back to when me and Mark Smith first started playing together as well. Like, I've, I've known Mark since I was like four years old. Yeah. Um, but this is what like, we decided, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do this music thing, you know, 14, 15, yeah, it'll be boss, you know what I mean? Yeah, we'll do band and be dead famous and it'll be cool. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, um, so there was a church hall here uh, down in Garston. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, you, you can buy this drum kit and, yeah, we'll start this band. It'll be ace and come, come, comes to the point where I've got the money, I'm going to buy this drum kit. And the guy, I'm buying, oh, oh, I'm not selling it now. So, oh, for fuck's sake. So I've, I've got £200 burning the hole in the pocket. And um, the year before, I've said, you know, I've been saying for years, I, I'd literally had said it for years, I want a drum kit, I want a drum kit. Um, and my folks uh, got me a guitar instead, uh, right. which I, out again, our, our, our mutual friend Mark smashed on my head a year later. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that put my guitar playing dreams sit to an end as well. Uh, thanks for that, Mark, by the way. <laughs> uh, I've got, yeah. I, I will get Mark on the show sometime. When we and him start talking, it's I can like imagine. a four-hour show. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, we won't stop. <laughs> so so you, get, you get the drum kit for you. Did your granddad have any kind of input? Did he was like, listen, I know what, I'll show you how to do this, and you know, I'll show you. So did he have any kind of input? Uh, not uh, the, the most input he had for me. My granddad, he, that, that granddad, he passed away when I was about six. Right. So I mean, we're talking like very early on. Um, oh, but, okay. But I'm sure for Christmas one year, he bought me like it wasn't it wasn't a drum kit by any means. It was like you know like a keyboard size thing with a couple of little pads on it. Yeah. That yeah, made yeah. like you know drum like sounds. Yeah. And he bought me one of them. Um, right. I, that, you know, it, was, it was by no means a drum kit, but it was, you know, the, it had he lasted for a few years, I mean, uh, three major heart attacks in the end or something. Jeez. Lasted a bit longer. Maybe that there'd have been some influence. Right? I've still yeah. got his drum drumsticks as a keepsake up, upstairs in my drawer of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, actual influence. Um, nah, he'd been gone too long by the time I started playing, I guess. That's a shame. And it like, yeah, yeah you would have seen you play. Because one of the things I didn't realise in like I've interviewed a few drummers and drum techs and things and to try and do research about drums because that's something that I I know it sounds good I know the fundamentals but I, I didn't realize like the history of, of drumming and that you know it started out as single drums that yeah. people would play so someone would play one section of it and then eventually they would put those things together and the drum kit basically is a group of people that would all play separately put together so one person can play that's it, yeah. I, I, I think I think I think it was the twenties, the first actual. I think they, it was called a traps kit. I think yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, that like I think it was in the twenties they first became a thing. When it's like, yeah, one person's doing all the percussion stuff now, so you guys go play the trombone or something. Yeah, that's my and, and obviously because it was a marching band, you couldn't have a full kit because that's no. not going to work. You can't keep setting it up every five minutes. So you know, it's like. But I, I just found that fascinating. Like when I was, I was, I was kind of doing some research into, into drumming over the, the, the drummers that I've talked to, which I'm hopelessly 
uh, inept with. You know, I, I, I don't know what it is. I can play stringed instruments and things like that. I I I took to like a duck to water, but I have. I, I reckon I've got pretty good rhythm, but the drums just eluded me. When you when you played, then so you've got you know Alec playing bass, yeah, you know Andrew playing guitar, and drums. I've just well, got to put an interjection here. Andrew okay. is a freak of nature because that okay. motherfucker can play anything you give him, except I, for drums. The day he learns <laughs> to play drums is the day he could just do tactics by himself. But that's it; he doesn't need us anymore. Yeah. It's like when, when you hear about like Van Halen and uh, didn't Alex start on the guitar and, and he uh, moved to bass? <laughs> oh no, yeah, it was it was drums, yeah. Drums going like I think we should probably switch here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can go reinvent guitar. And well, what could have been? <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. So did you even did you even try other instruments before you went to drums? Uh, my, my very very first musical lesson. Um, it, I was in primary school. And we yeah. took like a little musical aptitude test. And I think the top two people in the year, could, <laughs> could, they got a free lesson of a musical instrument of their choice. Right. So I, 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 I scored in, oddly enough, the top two. I didn't think I had like, I had musical, you know, I was musically attuned in any way. I thought it was just a yeah, bruiser, yeah. like hitting things with sticks. But no, apparently I actually understand music. Um, what, what, what's, the, what's the musical aptitude test? What's that? What do you have to do to pass? I, 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 for the life of me, I don't, I can't, I, how old have I been? I was about nine. Right. So it's, go, again, it's going back, but yeah, the, the top two people got to pick an instrument. So I'll, I'll let you have one guess of what, what musical instruments I took a lesson in. Uh, the saxophone. Oh, close. The flute. Oh, God. <laughs> the flute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, look, I, oddly, and Andrew did the same thing when he got to that year in primary school and uh, he, yeah. took the, he took the trombone and he actually took the <laughs> took trombone lessons for about a year. Um, I, I had the one flute lesson was like, nah, this this isn't for me. <laughs> How mad's that? How mad's that? That at nine, a fucking nine, the way you can't probably fucking write too great, I imagine. It, but you, you go, okay, pick an instrument, and yeah. if you're not very good at it, you're not good at music. Here's a fucking flute. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck is that? Fuck are you? How are you sorting out the week from the chat with that? Like, you know, surely it should be when you try a whole number of instruments and whatever you should have to. It's like, no, you're playing trombone, are you good at it? Right, so you're a trombone player. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, didn't Vinny play a tuba? And his dad's like, no, 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 we take, you're going to play drums instead. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all the, what the fuck? These aptitude tests for stuff, it's like, it's crackers, isn't it? Yeah, I love I, that though. I, I I think that I mean, it's so who so who stays on so as on on bass, and on guitar and your a drum. Yeah, are you all at roughly the same stage playing now? Like you've all picked up the instruments roughly the same time, or is it like massively different like years in between? No, I mean, me and Andrew were a really similar time. Um, mm. Andrew got his guitar when he was he got his first guitar when he was about thirteen, I think, and I got yeah. my kit when I was sixteen. So. Andrew, so Andrew Sars is about a year before I did, maybe. Mm. Uh, Alex is six years older than me. He got a bass news 14. So yeah. there's, there's a good few years. Of, like Alex, like Alex thinks of the guitar as well. So you right. give Alex an acoustic guitar, he can he can he can he can play some stuff. He's, he, he can play guitar. Yeah. Um, but no, he, he had a long time ahead of me and Andrew playing. So, so you're listening then um, to Pantera. Are you, and are you are you kind of branching off or do you stay into Pantera you're going through a couple of different phases finding out what works for you from a drumming point of view or is it solid Pantera no no I I, I, I 
diversify quite a lot. So when when we right. started playing and gigging, I mean, I started gigging when I was basically as soon as I got a drum kit. Because, uh, like you said earlier, as soon as you get a drum kit, you're a drummer in every band. Whether you can play yeah. or not is completely by the by. <laughs> yeah, just just a million bands need you to play drums because no one else yeah. has a drum kit. So uh, yeah. I think my first gig I ever played, there was a there was a Metallica track in there, which oddly enough was Devil's Dance. How about that for a random oh, Metallica that track? Bass beginning, yeah, do boom. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I picked yeah. that as well, uh, and there was wow. a bit of, bit of Rage Against the Machine in there, um, mm-hmm. Bullet in the Head, uh, which uh, okay. so yeah, there was, uh, and a bit of Blink One Eighty Two. So there was a lot of dive and Green Day yeah, ba- 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 Basket Case. First song I ever okay. to learn was Basket Case, and I don't wow. know if a drummer like to that Phil never you know holding sticks at a drum kit with the first time. I'm like, oh shit, I'm never going to be able yeah. to play that. <laughs> Jesus. So yeah. did did, he, did he put you at an advantage then of having? Uh, you know, other musicians in the family, were you able to go, you get more time practicing? Because one of the biggest things uh, you have when you, when you learn an instrument and you play with other people is getting to practice and playing together and can't yeah. have time to do that. But you've got it built in because you're presumably living with all these people who all play as well. Yeah. I mean, with, with Alex, um, we'd never really played together right. unless I was stepping in for one of the many bands he was in. Um, okay. Or we did the Inky Bros thing, which 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 yeah. started and fizzled out quite quickly. Um, right. But yeah, actually jamming because he was that much older than us. We, you know, actually he, he was he probably moved out already by the time. By the time, yeah, yes. yeah, he'd, he'd moved out. Uh, he'd gone up yeah. to uni and moved out by the time I'd got my first kit. So yeah, just jamming with Alex isn't something that really happened until much much later. Yeah. Um, Andrew, yeah, because Andrew kind of joined our band like quite early on. Um, hmm. So we'd have jam sessions on the landing in the house. Um, oh, I love that vision. I love that view. That's I mean, the, 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 there are photos of all of us back in the day, and it, oh, they're fucking horrendous, but it <laughs> happened. Um, but actually, practicing for myself, uh, God rest of me, dad was like, uh, yeah, he d- didn't like me practicing drums all that much in the house a lot of the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, oh, Andrew can practice it's different it's not different it's, it's, it's okay quieter. yeah it's okay <laughs> drums allowed but I still need to practice I, I, don't, I don't know what you want me to do here <laughs> is it is it easier or is it harder being related to the person that you're in a band with um, I you know what I've never really not been in a band without Andrew so I right. I'm so not sure say, yeah yeah um, was it the first gig I ever played? It was it was it was th- me and two guys from school. I think the second gig that band ever played, Andrew was in the band. Right. Um, so yeah, it's 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 weird when I'm not in a playing in a band with without it's Andrew. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So when like just stepping a couple of steps back, then so when yeah. you're, you're you're listening to what you're listening to, yeah, you start to pick up the drums. Are you well, what point are you going to shows and seeing live shows? Um, <sighs> Are you already doing this at around sort of 15, 16, or, or is it a little bit less? Um, you know, see, I, I, it's kind of, um, the pickies run a lot of dry bars, didn't they? So we, yeah. we, we go, they, were, they were only, I think it was twice a month. So we'd go to them quite often, and that's how we got to meet, meet all you know, the guys from Ogan and stuff like that. They were obviously yeah. were still like really, like Paul ended up in tactics for, near, yeah. for you know, nine years or so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was probably about the same time, but being being that young, obviously you can't go to the to the bigger clubs because you know you've got to be eighteen and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say all of us were kind of you know we were showing face on the scene. Yeah. Did you? So did you get to go to like the sort of the bigger arena shows and stuff like that? Did you get to any of those uh, at that age? 
I remember the first gig we ever went to, and I think I think we actually sagged off school to go to this. We went to see Corn <laughs> on the Untouchables <laughs> tour in the MEN okay. with um, okay. with Puddle and Mud supporting. Shit, I remember that show. Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. yeah. So there was me, Mark. Yeah, I think there's about six of us went to that. Wow. I've, I, I was about 16, I think. So who's... I'm trying to think who's on drums for him during that tour. It, it, it was Dave uh, Silvera. It was still it was Dave Silvera. Still on, it was still yeah, 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 yeah. That was probably a little bit after that he, he, he up and buggered off, didn't he? Yeah, so he, still, he did another couple of albums, I think, before before he, yeah. he upped sticks and left. They were still, they were still kind of really riding the wave with that. I mean, that album wasn't particularly amazing. It wasn't particularly well received. But th- at that point, we were still remembering all the previous stuff. Where we? yeah, yeah, because they'd what literally just like come off like this peachy. That was that was amazing. That was that was that is still one of my favourite gigs. Um, yes, yeah, so first time in a proper arena show. Like the, mm. the whole, it's it, 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 there's an atmosphere, isn't there? And when you go to an arena, obviously they've got the whole, they've got pyro, they've got you know, um, like synced up lights and the big uh, big screen behind them. It's yeah, it was amazing. What dates that show most of all is that it was a t- at a time when Wes from Puddle of Mud was not fucking insane. Um, so, and, and, ladies and gentlemen, for listening, before he was a meme, was actually a musician who who wasn't fucking uh, doing crazy stuff like you know. Uh. Um, God, they were. What were they? What were they riding high off? They already released. Um, I think I, "Come Clean" had come. Uh, was one that of the was right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would have been it. Wow, that would what an interesting tale. They 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 were like talk about like sudden flash and then. Obscurity again, like that's great. Who else was on? I'm trying to think about who, who the other band was on that there, show. Now. There was one. Oh. There was supposed to be one other band, but they did not make it. Because right. for the life of me, I can't remember what they were called now. But they had a single on Kerrang at the time, and I actually quite liked it. I was like, yeah. I, I, I only, I only knew this one song, but you know they'll obviously play it because it's their only single out on the TV over here. And yeah. they never, they never made it to the show. Oh right, okay. That's probably I can't think who you were. Yeah. So yeah. You, you you're watching this. Uh, is this the, is this close to the time when you you go and play live yourself? Then yeah, are we, yeah. Are we, are we okay? So where's the first shows? Uh, my first ever gig was in my high school. Uh, oddly oh. enough, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, organized by I think it was the singer in our band at the time. I can't remember for for what reason or why. I think he tried to do it as a charity night. Oh. Um, and he basically, he basically got a bunch of bands that have been put together in the school to play. Right. Um, the headline, what was the band called? Uh, that band was, I think we ended up going out under the name Jaunty. Um, yeah, who apparently was something from a Harry Hill sketch or something. I don't know. It it didn't make any sense <laughs> to me. I, I I was just the drummer they drafted <laughs> for, for that gig. So, uh, yeah, was, yeah, whatever, we're, we're doing this. And um, <laughs> I think Anime were the headline. Oh. Okay, yeah. Because because one of their guys was in, um, he, he was in the year above us, mm. and I think that Dan Haggis played drums for them. Who ends up going to do the famous Liverpool band? Oh, what are they called? Ah, uh, yeah, I, I I can't remember, but yeah, he's <laughs> he, he, he's done quite well for himself playing like uh, pop rock stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you do you you remember those first shows? Oh yeah, you know, yeah, vividly. You remember how physical it was? Because one of the things that I, 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 when I talk to drummers, when they talk about the first couple of shows, it's the physicality that comes across. Like, because they used to play, you know, a couple of songs at a time. But when you do the show and the adrenaline's kicking in and, and the physicality of playing the drums, that's the thing that has to kind of 
you have to kind of get your skin up to. You have to kind of get yourself yeah. in a match fit to do because it's just hugely sort of taxing thing. What did you yeah. take from the first shows then? What did you come away thinking, fuck? Uh, it's, 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 it, it, was, it was basically just adrenaline rush for the most part, the early days yeah. in particular. But uh, like a lot of the physicality with the adrenaline and everything, I, you don't notice until you're on the come down. Yeah. Um, the, the amount of gigs I've done where my hands were in ribbons, blood blood everywhere, all over the symbols and everything. So, oh shit, my hands actually really hurt now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've I've worked with drummers as well who do like you know to give that much up. To, they need assistance getting led off the, the drum riser, you know, because it's like the, it's let it's literally left all on the field. It's I've, it's left out there. Yeah, you can't, I've, I've seen it happen. Yeah, you can't coast it. You just you know just, just you just can't do it. Uh, you do you, you have to, it's all or nothing. And I think that that's maybe one of the things that I like about the drums the most is that it, it you can't fucking phone anything in, can you? No. You have to lean into everything on it. You know, it's like when you listen to back to some of the greatest drummers of all time, they they leave a piece of themselves. Yeah, do you, well, you kind of have to. It, it, without you, there's no backbone, and without yeah. a backbone, the band doesn't stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't it? Doesn't it piss you off then that, like, you know, that sometimes, a lot of the time, the, the, the drummers are almost forgotten about. No. I mean, we talk about the, we talk about the, the famous drummers, the Larses and the, uh, you know the Vinnies and stuff. But there's a lot of the you know, metal drummers out there that maybe don't get the recognition they deserve, uh, and people only remember the, the shredding guitar players and stuff. You know. I mean, for, I'm I'm kind of okay with that. I'm a little bit of an introvert, yeah. So I I don't really don't get me wrong. I don't like I don't like being shunned. But yeah. I mean, at the same time, you know, I, I'd I'd rather have a little bit of help with my gear than accolades. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true working. Music. You know what I mean? That's fine. You can have your autograph and all that, but just help me carry the bass drum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah basically, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't get don't get me wrong. I mean, I I, I love playing drums, and that's why I've got a list as long as a roll of toilet paper of the bands I've played yeah. for. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I, I, I don't do it for any other reason. The fact that people go, actually, we, I, we, we, we like Shu. You know, he's a good drummer. He'll, he'll mm. do well with this. And for me, that's accolade enough. You know what I mean? When Nova Chrome actually said, we've got, we've had a couple of guys in mind to do the album, but we think we actually really want to ask you first and foremost. It's like, yeah, oh, shit, that's you. That, that, you that, that's kind be, of humbling. You may be by default like a session drummer, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense at all. I mean that, that you know that you may be you know. Quite often is the case if you're in a metal or heavy rock band in Merseyside and you need a drummer and a pinch, your name I would imagine goes to the top of quite a few lists too. And that's uh, the honest truth. It, it, it may do. I mean, I've literally had people show up uh, when I was working in town in the drum shop, um, ma- ma- mainly Mark and whichever band he was in at the time, knock on the door and yeah. say, Yeah, d- d- dude, we've got a gig and we need you to play for us. All right, next week or something now in 10 minutes. Um, so we're going now. All oh, right, so no prep, just you know. Yeah. To, to use what's there and get through the gig. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like I think that's a it's a real real talent that to be able to go in with someone else's music and play and be the like you say be the backbone, be the, the driving force behind it of a, of songs you haven't wrote or even been in part of the wrote, the writing and still convincingly be part of that whole project. That's a fucking real skill, that to me. It's if it, for me. It's it just it's it's just playing drums. I just like doing just it. Natural. <laughs> yeah. So when you. So you, you, you're playing, say, you know, quite a while now. You're playing in bands. You're playing live. At what point do uh, do scare tactics come about? 
Um, they came about, uh, the main band we were in, uh, me and Andy had done Hollow Point for a good number of years. We'd done a couple yeah. of lineup changes. Um, I think it was around 2008 or nine. It just kind of started to fall apart. Um, mm. And eventually it did. Uh, right. and I, I'm sure we, we were just talking. So we, we, we trialed a couple of guitarists and we tried a couple of bassists. And I think I remember, I think it was Download 2009. Mm. And we met up with Danny. Um, and I think we, I'm sure we just got talking about it. Mm. We, ended, we ended, I think we ended up just jamming with Danny. So okay, we we can make this work. Mm. Um, and Paul from Ogan ended up coming in. Paul played bass for the last couple of Hollypoint gigs we did. Yeah. Um, I think we kind of just had a little bit of a shuffle. And um, the first gig or two, it was just the old Hollypoint stuff. Mm. Um, and I think the first gig we we I think we'd done a gig or two. And we decided, okay, this is a new band. It's going to be a thing. I think we wrote a new song for the set. And it was it was actually at the Zanzibar. Um, right. So the, the Zanzibar is officially the venue that birthed Scare Tactics. Um, sure. And it was just like, we, we played, the, like the gig was billed as Hollow Points. Mm. By the time we'd finished, it was like, yeah, Hollow Points is dead. This, this, this is something new. We, we, we are now Scare Tactics. And that it, was it. Is- is this the longest you've been in any one project then with Scare Tactics? A hundred percent, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so, yeah. Because I, 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 I glossed over Hollow Point there, but that's, yeah, that's, that's where I first kind of saw you guys. I think I, I may have even supported you in a band at some point. Like, yeah, that's how long ago it was. But uh, yes. yeah, Hollow Point, I remember to be a fantastic one. What happened with Hollow Points? Was it just the wrong timing of it? Just it didn't just didn't work as it often happens with bands or yeah, Hollow Point kind of came together when we were like you know 17, 18, and everyone just started drifting off doing their own thing. You know, uh, John, yeah, John, the original singer, was you know, he went off to uni. Um we got that's when Mark took up singing and we got little Barbara on guitar. Yeah. Um Mark ended up leaving to go to Zaprowski connection. We got yeah. Andy. Andy from, I forget what band Andy was in at the time, but we met him in a studio doing an EP. He came mm. in to play bass. And yeah, it, specifically now, it's also, it's also great. That there, was a, there was a lot of a lot of angry feelings at the time for what happened yeah. and, you know, various stories to, you know, what happened and why. But it, yeah. it, 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 the crux of the matter is it, it, it just fell. It just fell like yeah. a flan in a cupboard. Yeah. I think when whenever you anybody looks back at like the, you know, everybody's been in, in several bands and what yeah. have you in reality. And I think when anybody looks back as a, as a grown adult, they realise that a lot of that stuff is just nonsense. You know, it it, just it like, was. You know, youthful exuberance and, and kind of, you know, not really understanding the situation. And what we do when, when you're in a band, when you're in your teenage years, you think you're going to be the next Metallica. So you think that every yeah. move is incredibly important. So you argue over stuff that is, isn't, isn't really important, but you think it is. You think, yeah. oh... The, the order of the songs, if we play this, how many solos we have, who does a solo, da, 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 da. all these things get argued at a really micro level. Yeah. So like, and, and you end up falling out over stuff that's fucking nonsense. And then when you look back at it 10, 20 years into the future, and you look back, you know, you go, what the fuck? I can't even remember what we were arguing about. Well, it's, um, it, the, 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 say, the saying is true. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and it's just interesting. So then I can't, I get on board with, with, with scare tactics and, and God knows how many shows I've seen see you guys play there. Did when did it feel like you know like this this is the this is the project this is the this is the band now because you be you go in several bands but you feel like this is home. When did that happen? I think it and was quite. I, I I think it was quite quick. 
because right. um, obviously it it was it was almost a direct evolution of the hollow point stuff. Um, mm. But with with AE, obviously we 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 got poor. It it just seemed to mesh. Like we had yeah. we had one practice, I think, and it was like it it felt right. Um, yeah. You know, it's everything seems to just gel. Andrew and Paul's vocals together. I think part of it is because we'd known each other also. It wasn't yeah. new anymore, you know what I mean? The gig in the writing, we'd all done it before with other bands, but... Yeah, just, you'd made the mistakes. And yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, yeah, It just seemed to be comfortable when the four of us kind of just started working together. And it's the same yeah. with Marcy now. Now, now Paul's uh, gone off to do his own thing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. very much the same thing with Marcy. He just kind of slotted in like there was no change. He's a, he's a great player. He's a great he player. Um, he is. He's a. Uh, I'm still a little bit about him. Like he's he's a great player. He's a. Uh, just just <laughs> between just between me and you. Yeah. There's probably no one listening. But uh, is is Andrew one of the best guitarists in the Northwest? I I I would say yes. He just I, is, isn't he? Um, I I. You, I it, it's when, hard. You, when you listen to his <laughs> playing, did you think he kind of like he just grasped the instruments just really quickly? Did he, you see that? Did you see that? that yeah, I, I when Andrew first got his guitar, don't forget he's 13 years old at the moment. Alex is yeah. eight years older than him, has been playing yeah. for a, a good while, a good few years playing guitar and bass. And yeah, he, he, gave, he made Andrew a best. If you can learn all of the guitar solos, not the guitar parts, the guitar okay. solos. From Kill 'em All in your first year, I will give you a hundred pounds. Okay, this, he's thirteen years old. He fucking yeah, did yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Shit! How did he? How did that bet go down? Did he like? Did he have to sit there? And you went. Uh, you went. Uh, kill, <laughs> you went. You went uh, yeah. You went through the songs like Seeker Destroy. Did you? Is that how it did? You just played the solo. And you're on to the next solo, and then when he finished, he goes, "There's a hundred pounds." Is that how that worked out? Or? I, I, I wish I could have seen that because this this is a year before I got my drum kit. Don't forget. So Andrew's just noodling away in his in his in his bedroom, just learning them. So I'm, I'm going to yeah, get that yeah. fucking hundred pounds. I'm going to get it. <laughs> it it's, it's an exercise of spite now. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And he just picking it up. So want to see whenever I see you guys live, many, many times that I've seen you guys live, you, you you one of the things you think happens with two brothers playing on stage is you think that you constantly look at each, each other and that's how it's working. You don't act no. at all. The, I, I, it's, it's, it's an unsaid thing. I don't know. Have you noticed that? If, if, but, Andrew, if Andrew looks at me, it's because I've fucked up somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen it. It's normally like, even before, before going into a song, counting into a song, it's just unsaid. It's weird. And it's what I, I, I truly believe that's a brother thing that can't be replicated. I, uh, I, 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 I think I think there's something in that because I've never been able to do that playing with anyone else. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just makes it, I mean, so, I mean, we, we talk about scare tactics now, and I've said this before, I've said it on podcasts, I've said to you guys in person, I don't think we've had anywhere near the output that we should have had from scare tactics. No, and, you know? and we only have ourselves to blame for that. Um, yeah. I think and- it's a shame because... I mean, how long? Did, so, as of now, how long have you guys been together then? As that, as as, as, the, as not as the current lineup, but as scare tactics. Uh, it's pr- it's it's got to be about eleven years now. So it's a long old time. And it is a long old time. Yeah. How much have we got from you guys? Is it an album? Is it what? How much are we dealing with now? I'm trying to think what we've got by you in, in singles and stuff. I mean, we did we did an EP. Mm. Uh, no, actually, not a lie. We did two EPs. Uh, yeah. One one of them was only a two track, I think. Right. Did we? I think we. I can't even remember what we did. It was almost we used it like pre-production for the album. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the biggest problem with that, um, you would you would have had more if it wasn't for COVID. I can tell you that much. Yeah, because um, we've we are me and Andrew are perfectionists. Um, we've yeah. wrote several songs. Yeah, and gone. You know, completed. Play, played it a gig or two and gone. You know what? We're not feeling that, and we've just scrapped the whole thing. It's just wow. gone. It, it, it's never brought up again. And yeah, we don't yeah. want to commit anything to record that we're not happy with. Mm. Um, so part of the problem is me and Andrew, we don't like the, the social media side. We And it's, it's, mm. it's annoying because we know how necessary it is now. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. We, we're just not, we just, we just want to play. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I understand that's all everyone wants to do. And we've just, ne- I'm probably a little bit past the, the peak of the social media wave. I never, I was, you know, I was, I grasped onto it, but not at the right time, maybe. Yeah. Andrew's a little bit apathetic towards it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a hundred percent our own fault. There's more in us. Um, like we're, we'll be in discussions about getting another, probably four track recording in the, we were talking about it before lockdown happened. Um, yeah. So, so something's going to happen. We'd like to at least put another album out. Um, yeah. I think a lot of, I think everybody, all, all your friends and certainly the people on the scene are like, you know, oh, you check out this band as I've suggested you to many people. And then they've got, is, is that all we've got? Is that it? Yeah. And I, I, I suppose that's nice because you're like, well, fuck, we'll, we'll make use of what we've got there to take taste. Yeah. But it's also like, you know, let, let, let's hear some more now. I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've talked to you guys about this quite at length. Like, you know, I think that that's the, you know, that that's the next step is we, we need to hear some more. Uh, absolutely. From, from yeah. And, and, and on the back of that, it's, it's probably the, a good time to talk about the show that's coming up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, is this? Have you ever headlined a show in Liverpool? We, I know that sounds we, like a weird question, but I mean, we we have, we right. have, but we we'd always pick and choose them. Um, right. The, the Zanzibar, particularly, we were offered many. I think we we did a couple, and we mm. were offered many many headline slots in there. Yeah. But the problem we had with headlining the Zanzibar was um, what tends to happen is on a th- you'd go, okay, we'll headline a four-band bill. Mm. And what tends to happen is you'd get there and there'd be eight bands on and you wouldn't play till one in the morning. Yeah, and it's fucked off and it's the worst slot in the world. Yeah. It, it's, it's, just not, it's just not conducive, you know what I mean? It, yeah, it, yeah, it becomes yeah. a pointless gig at that point. So yeah. um, I, I, I had a really good relationship with Tony in the Zanzibar. He, he was a lovely guy. Him, yeah. Um, yeah. And he was really, really good to us. And he basically said, guys, we've got this gig for you. you know, do you want a headline? I go, no, Tony, put us on at 10. And he go, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. And, and it, yeah, it was, yeah. it was, it was, because for us, the, the, the headline thing, it's, it makes sense for the right show. Mm. But a lot of the time, it's, you're missing your peak audience. Yeah. So for us, yeah. it was more important we played in front of a, of a packed house rather than have that, you know, that inverted mm. commas, the headline slot. Because yeah. it's more important there are people there than whether you're playing last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only when you get to like sort of, a, a larger audience that the headline slot becomes a, a exactly quite yeah. often uh when i was in bands i'd like to be the opening band yeah everybody was just drunk enough just excited enough um you know most of the equipment was 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 working well enough and then, <laughs> and then afterwards you could you could play uh, a play a set and afterwards watch other bands and drink and you've yeah. already got all your stuff loaded in it was great and so it's sometimes the the, the better set i mean just as a sidebar, I, I, I put something out on, on Twitter a couple of days ago about I was at I was at the Zanzibar. The Zanzibar, for, for those who don't know, uh, don't know it, is a, is a club in Liverpool that's been going for a long time. And um, when it was at its peak of its powers, it was run by a gentleman called Tony Butler, uh, who was um, 
quite simply a legend of the scene. Yeah. And possibly something that doesn't get talked about enough is how much Tony loved his metal. I don't know if he, he told did. many people, but he, but he fucking loved his metal. He loved his metal bands. And he put me and my bands on many, many times at that show. And I was at a show very recently, God Complex's show. And uh, during mid, mid sort of set for a band, I went over to the bar and the place is full. It's jumping, it's metal going off left, right and centre. And I looked up and it was a, they've got a, a picture of him, his portrait above the bar. Nice. And, I, just, and, it, and I, I didn't say nothing to no one, but I was like proper touched by that because he was a, a huge figure. Ladies and gentlemen, if you aren't aware, he was one of those guys that would take the risk of putting bands on and putting showcases on when everybody else wasn't doing that or letting young bands play. Yeah. He did that and he, and he would be sorely missed on the scene. And that blue plaque that's by his outside the Zanzibar is well deserved. The Zanzibar yeah. now is under new uh, ownership and there's new people involved and they're, they're trying to bring that spirit back and I think quite successfully as well. It's a, it's a, it's a much like changed venue than, than when me and you played it. When we and you played it, it was like you had all those seats on the left-hand side. That's right, yeah. All these like booths and then the, the stage was fucking tiny and then, you know, you had the bar all the way along the side and then the desk at the very back, as you'd imagine, which was one of the best desks in Liverpool at one point. And it, one of the best desks in Merseyside. Yeah, the, the sound um, in there is always incredible. So, so you're playing this show. Let's say this may be essentially one of your, your first proper headline shows. For um, a good while, yeah. For a, certainly for a good while. And this is with the newest, new and improved lineup. Um, what, what are we, what are we going to hear then? What, are, you know, what, what, are you, what are you, are you going to try new stuff at this show? This- are we going to hear? What are we going to hear? Um, I think, actually, you, for people in Liverpool, there will definitely be something brand new. Um, we've played one of our newer tracks, um, played it in Manchester towards the end of last year. Mm. Uh, and I think we might have only played it once since. Right. Um, uh, and a couple of the of the newer tracks that we're really we're really enjoying as well. Um, mm. I'm not going to say new because we've you know we've been they've been in the set for a little while, but yeah, yeah. it's it's probably halfy half album material and kind of unheard recorded stuff. Right. So because I'm 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 really looking forward to the show, and and, and I'll tell you one of the, the sort of hidden reasons I'm really looking forward to the show is it's one of the bands on, on the bill. It's with uh, Agent Seven and Devil's Hedgeman and yeah. Omega Throne. And they're heavy as shit. I, I, so I, I, I've been listening to them all through the week, actually. Yeah, yeah. Omega Throne are like proper I, death metal, but you've got, got some that, really yeah, groovy parts. Like when fucking Guns N' Roses and Metallica went out and then they took Faith No More as the opening act. Yeah. And, you know, and they talk about watching Faith No More from the side of stage going, oh shit, they're fucking really good. We're going to have to be really good. You're but, really, you know, you're, gonna, you're going out there with some younger bands slightly heavier bands as well they're, 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 they're all heavier than us <laughs> all of them are heavier than us <laughs> so no, but that's how you want it because you know that you know when you go on you're going to have to turn up and you're going to have yeah. to play and, and be as good as you as you are is is there is there chances of maybe some guests as well because you you know there's a ton of people in Liverpool who probably get up and do something with you uh, you know what? It's not even something that's that's crossed our mind. If there's people there, I mean, I'm I'm yeah. going to be wiping sweat out my eyes, so I'll just play, and whoever, <laughs> whoever's in front of me will be there. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, Dan from Reaper, if he's about, to, he'll more than likely jump up and sing a chorus or two of, of you know yeah. of a track, or um, yeah, it's it literally yeah. It, I won't be able to stop anyone invading the stage. That's all I say. I've got drums in front of me. <laughs> that show, that show, Jimmy's was great. Like that must. Oh, that was that a great was gig. Show. You know, uh, post pandemic, wasn't it? Um, yeah. 
So that must have felt like fucking one of the uh, best things in the world to play that because that was that was great. You know, that was a it, fa- yeah. We all, re- I mean, that that was a soaking wet, freezing January Thursday, and the place yeah. was packed. There was a guy next to me. I think I said in the review, um, and uh, when you guys launched into it, uh, it might have been the second song. Might have been, I think it was the second song, and 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 I didn't know him. And he just turned to me and he went, fucking hell. <laughs> I was like, that's the best review I've ever heard of a band. He was like, you've never seen it before. And he was like, fucking hell, he's fucking can play, can't he? I love that. He, was so, he, he, he couldn't think of anything amusing or funny to say. He just was like, fuck. You know, fucking hell. And I thought that was just a great endorsement. You know? I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I've had that on the poster life, yeah. Fucking hell. Uh, so... <laughs> Listen, I I, I want to end it on a, on a positive note. Yeah, okay. But it may seem like it's not a positive note. Can we can we talk about your old boy, Jay? Can we talk about him? Yeah, yeah, of course you can. Yeah, oh, is that man. okay? Because obviously he, he ain't with us anymore. No, um, no. And but he must have been. And it, it was. It, I, you don't need me to tell you this, but I'm here. I'm going to tell you this anyway. He was an incredible human being. Yeah, and um. And one of, if, if there was ever an unsung hero of music and the scene, he was it. 100%. He, he, was, he was that. Yeah. Um, he would, he was, he was, for those that don't know, he was, your, your father yeah. was at every show. He would carry gear on. He would, he would carry, he fucking carried my gear on. Yeah. He didn't even fucking know me. Yeah. You know, he, he, he carried gear on. He was, he stayed, he was there from the beginning. He was there at the end. He, you know, he was just this super, super human being, and you know yeah. that. But uh, there's people out there that, that you know knew him as well as uh, uh, as I did. We were, you know, unbelievably gutted when when he when he left us. He must have been a, a massive factor in 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 with the with the bands that you were in. He must have been a factor. Uh, without G, there, there wouldn't have been any. It's as simple as that. Yeah. They, they would just not have happened. Yeah. And it's and you could tell, like I mean, they're, they're, that must have been nice when you come off stage and he, or or, you, or better still, you were watching from stage and see him watching you play. Yeah, it is. I mean, because he, he must have been incredibly proud of that. Yeah, I mean, oh man, I'm welling up a little bit now. <laughs> I didn't want to. I had. To, I wanted to talk about it because he, he was an important person. Nice. Yeah. And, and I, I loved him, and and the people around him loved him because of what he did. And this show, if anything. Ah, fucking ah, well enough as well. This is not very metal, is it? You know, I, it, like there was people that you know, did, well, he will be missed. He's a presence yeah. that that will be missed. Um, and there's uh, this show of anything is put to highlight on those people that give up their entire lives to making sure people can play music and be and see. And like you said, it the, the bands wouldn't exist if it wasn't for him. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, and this is even beyond you know just just me and Andy. Um, when yeah. Zaprowski were going out on tour, Jeff Jeff drove them all to you know East Midlands Airport to pick them all up. Yeah. Went on tour with them. Um, I can count on one hand. I mean, I've been gigging for twenty years or so. I can yeah. count on one hand the number of gigs he didn't actually make it to. I, and it, 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 it was just it was on if I, even if it was in a show. I knew it was going to be a good show. He was yeah. like a, a, a talisman. A, a, you know, he was. Know, he was like, a touchstone. And I just listen. I just want. I didn't want to end it. I I, I think that's incredibly positive because I know I fucking know that he, he, he did, especially at the Zanzibar and everything you ever do from here on in, 
He's going to, he, 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 he was just, every time that you watch, there's a wonderful picture, I think I still got it, of you playing the, um, where was it? It wasn't the picket. It was the place that got closed. Oh, what's it the called? The Lomax. The Lomax. And it was the Lomax. And I'm side of stage. I don't know if I was doing some teching or something. And he's close by. And there's a look on it. I'll have to find this photo now. I've mentioned yeah. it. And the look of pride on his face is absolutely amazing. And that's what, you know, that's, that's, that's how I remember him and how I remember his interactions with, with, with you guys. Complete legend in every yeah. way. Um, I should have got him on the show. What a fucking... Should have got him on the show. Stories for days, I imagine. Yes. But so now, yeah. scare tactics. Now, what's the what's the future look like then? What's your plans? You, you, you're looking at this four-track uh, sort of EP thing. What's yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, r- right now, I mean, we, we've, we've had this discussion um, fairly recently as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and... <sighs> We've 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 gone through managements and all that, and the last management we went with, um, I, I won't name names because they're still prolific yeah. in the scene. They're helping other bands out more than they can help us, um, right. and they've they've always because I I don't think we we fit in like one particular genre. You know what I mean? Mm. It's kind of yeah. hard to place us on on bills. Yeah. Uh, I remember the the last gig we had management with. Um, they were like, okay, so you know, what what do you want out of management? So it's like, okay, we've we. We've done the toilet gigs. We've done the little venues. We've, we've done the pub out in the sticks to three people who just want to have a quiet drink. You know what I mean? We're not after that. What we want is we want good support slots and festivals. Um, yeah. And when we were with them, we said, okay, we, we want the Skindred support for Liverpool. It's a hometown show. Skindred yeah. are coming in. They're playing. It's, 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 it's an academy gig. It's not an arena. Mm-hmm. It's an academy gig. We want that. They said, oh, you'll never, we'll never get that gig. So, well, 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 what the fuck good are you for then? So Yeah, you can't get you that, which yeah. surely was good, yeah. And, and after that conversation, it was like, yeah, okay, we're kind of done with management for the time being. And we ended up getting the gig anyway with no management. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, we, we got that without management. What We were going to pay you guys to get that. So, mm. yeah, I mean, that that is the goal. You know what I mean? We, we, we've we got to the point where, you know, we've all got personal lives. We all work full-time jobs. Stanley and Marcy have got, we've got young kids. Yeah. Um, we can't we we can't just go out and do like you know a two week tour in you know like yeah. ran, random pubs up and down the country. We've got we've got to pick and choose the gigs we want to do now. Mm. It's 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 tough. I remember like the, the experiences you were going through with the management company, and there was a lot of eye rolling where it was yeah. just like I can't believe this. And and it, and in some ways it is a cool. I mean we should we, we've got to be transparent about this stuff. We've got to talk yeah, yeah. about it so another band listening to it would go okay. You know, it's difficult bringing management in. It's very difficult because as with anything or any form from producers, promoters, anybody, there's always those people that are, don't really give a fuck. Yeah. And it's just a way of exploiting the band, um, you know, and, and, and that can happen. And it's, and it's sad because there's a lot of great management places out there and great promotional people out there. But unfortunately, this is the real world and there's a lot of people who are just in it for, for the money. And I think that, you know, you may have been, slightly a victim of that as well it's probably you know it's probably held you back as a band you know I mean, the, the, the worst the worst part of that was it happened to us twice you yeah. know what I mean yeah 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 it's a very cautionary tale indeed and you see and it also bans you from thinking about ever doing it with it anybody does. else because you're absolutely like, oh, it does you know uh, but it, and it's interesting that you talk about getting the getting the gig anyway you know it's yeah. um it's interesting that like I think that uh, for, for me management is a very it's a very difficult thing. People sometimes get it and get involved with management 
because as of, of a lack of ideas to so go, well, we don't know what the fuck the next move is. So yeah. we'll get someone else because they they do. And that isn't necessarily the best time to get management. No. Uh, you know, it, it should be if it, it should feel a little bit more organic when someone come, becomes involved with your your project or something that's very close to your heart. It should become a little bit more apparent. You know, you should reach a, a, a level that it feels that way. It shouldn't be because you've got a lack of ideas. You know, yeah. well, I mean, when we when we signed up with with, with the sec, like the most recent management, yeah. we thought that's that's we thought we'd understood the mistakes we made with the first the first time. Yeah. And you know, we had that first meeting. It's like they, they approached us. We didn't approach them. Mm. And uh, we we we, you know, we asked all the other bands on the roster. You know, how you find them, what they're doing for you. Like we did research. Mm. And yeah. Everyone came back saying, "Look, nothing's going to happen overnight." But we've, you know, they've got us this. We're doing this. And I was like, "Okay, this, you know, we'll, we'll get what we've got to lose." You know, it's it's mm. it's it's a little bit of money, but you know, it's nothing we can't afford. We'll give it a go. And yeah. um, and it's, it's the first conversation was, "Look, we, we 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 don't want we don't want you know the the, the, the little club gigs from down the country on a Tuesday. We want you know, yeah. like I say, we want these festivals. We want these we want these good supports. That's yeah. we, we're we did we've done download. We've done Bloodstock. We've, we we know we have strong enough material." To yeah. do these bigger gigs, you know what yeah. I mean. I mean, yeah. we, we we proved it. Blood, Bloodstock and Download loved us. We yeah. I, we we officially had the first mosh pit of Download 2015 officially, yeah, yeah. which is I, unusual because people I, don't I, mosh I to us. That, but, <laughs> both those shows you've you've played, you played yeah. the biggest metal festivals in in the UK, and yeah. you've played them to yeah. to you know, to crowds that liked you yeah. as well. You know, not indifferent that liked you, and it seems like I mean, to have I. Is a is a question for you, Stu. If I'm a band listening to this now, and I'm a young band, and I'm starting out, and I'm, and I think, uh, okay, well, we probably need management. We probably need someone to help with bookings and things like that. We need a booking agent. What would you? What's your advice then? You know, you've been through this twice now. What's your advice? Well, I mean, if, uh, that's a difficult because the bloodstock thing came through metal to the masses, which was, you know, it's it's a free sign up. You don't need management for that. That, yeah. that download it was competition based again right. they were both competition based yeah. was, you know thousands of entries across the country but potentially thousands of entries and you know mm. five, five got picked for the for the download slots yeah. so I, I i was actually away in spain um obviously my missus is spanish and i was i was away on holiday and usually when i go to spain my phone goes off it's like guys i'm going away my phone's off yeah I, that, that, that's it you won't be able to reach me and they, they messaged alice so Alice tells you to turn his fucking phone on. We've got some news. <laughs> I was like, yeah, what's up? We're playing downloads. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that, like, you know, yeah. that's getting onto those festivals and there's a route to that there. But what about just management in general? You know, do, do bands even need it? When should they get it? What should they be looking out for? You know, how do they avoid some of the pitfalls that you didn't? Um, I mean, all, all, all I can say is because I I can't say you know my advice is the best because we took management twice and neither time worked for us. So yeah. my my advice cannot count for a great deal. But all I'd say is do your research, speak to other bands who are with them, mm. and don't yeah. Basically, what what the guys who were with the last management company we had told us don't expect anything overnight. But I mean, mm. the the, th- the thing that broke them for us was them saying we'll never get we'll never get you that show. It's like that's literally the only thing we signed up for 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 those kind of gigs. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, it's know what you want out of it. I guess is the only advice. No, no, figure out what you expect out of management, and before you sign up, find out mm. that's what they can do for you. Yeah, I think that's I think it's solid advice. It's just you do do a bit more research because there's a lot out there 
And there's not, we live in an age where you can do that research. You can see every can. single thing that yeah, they, yeah. every band that they've been involved with, and every single thing you could see that it's not hidden. Uh, it used to be quite a hidden sort of booking. It certainly used to be quite a hidden world. It's not as hidden anymore. Uh, but they, they, they need people to know. They need the advertisements. The more yeah. bands they manage, the more revenue they get. Yeah, yeah. And I think that you know, it's just uh, there are there are some people out there that go. I'm a management company and it's like, you, you're not really, you, you haven't no. really got any experience in this, you know, to say that, like, you know, it's, and it tarnishes maybe some of the other people are, that are, that, that are pretty good at it as well. Like, yeah. you know, it's interesting. Is then, I mean, I'll wrap up now because I mean, we've got like probably an hour and a 15, hour and 20, something oh, like wow, that. that. So we could go, <laughs> that's flown. <laughs> so we, we could, we could, we could go, go much longer, I'm sure. But so is, is without, without putting too much onus on it, is this show at the Zanzibar then that's coming up, is, did, is this a real kind of line in the sand again, starting point again for, for scare tactics? Let's go. Let's start things moving again now. Let's get things back to where we wanted them to be. Is it, is it that or, or not? Um, I, I'd i like to say I hope so. Um, COVID and everything, it's it's kind of knocked everyone. Us, obviously, me, me and Andrew, we, we, we lost G. And yeah, it, mm. there's a lot of personal stuff happening behind the scenes for me to say, Yes, this is it. I mean, we've yeah. got a lot, we've got a lot of big gigs coming up this year. You know what I mean? We've we've mm. we've, we've got bookings. Um, we're doing we're doing a festival over summer. Um, the, the stuff's coming in, but to say this is you know you'll, you'll see a brand new tactics, and you know we're, we're gonna be, we're gonna be on the cover of magazines by next year. I, it's too early to say. We, we yeah. all we, we'll always go in and we'll you know we'll put on a good show and we mm. endeavour to write the strongest music we can. I mean, the, yeah. one, one of the newer tracks we're playing. It's it's a uh, Andrew's lyrics and vocal melodies for it are just beautiful, and it's a massive kick in the feels over everything we've gone through, me and him, for yeah. like, like the last two years. And it's you know, I, I think as time's gone on and we've kind of realised what what we want out of playing, what it does for us, it's kind of a catharsis, mm. and you know, we enjoy the playing side of it, and we've we've matured, we're you know, writing more about personal experience, and for us, it's just about getting on stage whether it's the start of something new only time will tell yeah i think for me it sounds it, it i often think that scare tactics you that that band that, so, that, that you're going to have a breakthrough song songs album that's going to cut through and do really well and people are going to claim that you're an overnight success <laughs> and that aren't they they're going to say you'll have like this two or three songs come out and people go this fucking band's incredible and they're like no no we've been going for fucking God knows how, and you'll be the the, the, the next thing. If people are like, oh yeah, yeah, these, these are this brand new band I've been into, but you, you that overnight success that took a decade to put together, you know. You know what the amount of t- the amount of gigs we've played and bands have come off and go, where the fuck have these guys been? Yeah, how, you, how do yeah, we not know them? <laughs> I will not mention any names. Even I, 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 I tend to be fully transparent, but for the sake of embarrassment, I will not mention any names. Okay. I've seen you play more than one show where bands have shit themselves because you've been such a complete force you like such a complete act <laughs> and they'd be like oh shit what, what the fuck because people forget that you've been around long enough that you've practiced you're well versed you know what you're doing and you can put together a really solid show and and that scares the shit out of some people i've seen it happen i've seen that happen i've been i've been I've watched that happen and that's a great feeling you know because you're still ours like liverpool and merseyside still see it as ours oh yeah and, I'd, 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 I'd say we are yeah yeah i think so um 
Listen, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, I'll do a preview piece for the uh, the show at the Zanzibar. Obviously, I will be there as well. But I think uh, there's all kinds of reasons, as we highlighted, uh, that you, you should go there. If nothing else, to see uh, my guest today, uh, the wonderful Stuart Barker playing the drums. Sir, it was, uh, it was nice to have you on the show. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, I, we could definitely do this for hours. I didn't realise an hour and a half would fly quickly. Yeah, we, the plan was, ladies and gentlemen, in full, full transparency, the plan was to have the, the Barker brothers on. That was the plan. We couldn't put it together, but, you know, hey, that's the way things go. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll do it again, but I don't know how long that would have gone. I think if me, you, Andrew <laughs> and Mark are on a podcast, oh, I, Jesus. I think that's like a 10-hour like thing over many days. Yeah, we, 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 <laughs> need, we need to get a chaise long and a camera crew. <laughs> I like that. I like long. <laughs> Instead of like the, the cosmic couch, the cushion strap, we'll have the cosmic days long. Yeah. <laughs> Let's nice. do it. Listen, thanks for coming on the show, sir. Uh, Cheers, man. I will see you at the show, my friend. No worries. See you soon, buddy. Take it easy. Conversation there with the wonderful Stuart Barker playing a show this very weekend with the Scare Tactics at the Zanzibar. I that was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed that. I I it's just how easy is it where you're talking to friends and people who really are really you really enjoy what they're doing and, and really love what they're doing. They really love playing, and it's really nice when you get that situation. Because it just you can talk, we could talk for hours. We, we we totally could. We I had to stop it just to. I tried to keep these two about an hour, um. But I think we. I'll definitely go back and like I say, probably get Andrew on his brother as well, uh, and talk about a little bit more about that. But I thought just uh, some interesting sorts of things. It's similar, um, kind of similar journey to 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 myself with uh, on certain things. And and like we say, we we've, we've known each other. Um, a long time, uh, you know, pre-beard coop, you know, uh, and it was nice. To, it was nice to just to chat to to an old friend, and it was even nicer to 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 give his old boy a mention. Um, I, I thought that was it was nice of him, very kind of him to 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 talk about about him as well. And I thought that was very important. And those things are nice to do. Um, and and I really, that's one of the great things about this this, this podcast is that that will be there. Um, for everybody to hear, and, and I thought that that was a wonderful thing, and, and I really, really enjoyed that. And it's going to be nice to put this out there before the show, hopefully, generate some interest because you should really check his band out. Uh, Scare Tactics are are great. They're just they're just a, a class, complete act, and um, that are ready for 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 the next stage. And and who could be better than than Stu to be behind the kit there, um, leading the charge? Fantastic to talk to Stuart Barker as always. If there's anybody that you want me to talk to or you think I should talk to or you'd like me to get on the show again, hey, we could do that, then use the usual channels and get in touch and we can we can have that conversation. Thanks for listening. I really hope you in, uh, enjoy it. I hope you get it passes some time for you, amuses you, maybe even educates you on some things or piques your interest on other on other bands uh, or, or other styles of music part, within the, the metal spectrum that you maybe haven't taken a look at and go and, go and check them out. That's it. That is... The whole point of, of of this show, as always, I will see you at the show. This time, though, this show will be at the Zanzibar with uh, Scare Tactics headlining as well. So, if you see me there, come and say hey. You know, I may even record some bits and pieces for the a review of it. We can maybe do that, but I will most definitely be there. Thanks for listening.